Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. It's May 15th. I'm Kimberly Johnson in DC and I'm fucking angry. My guest today is Amanda Sowards, and we've known each other since 2004. In fact, we met on Thanksgiving Day in 2004. We have a mutual friend, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Um, and I believe Amanda was my very, very first Facebook friend. So that that's kind of cool. She's very smart. She's just like me, very opinionated. And today we've got a lot to unpack. So Amanda will be here in a moment. But first, I always like to remind everybody that this show is a listener-supported show, and we rely on patrons to keep us going. So please consider supporting with any dollar amount, um, whether it's $1, $5, $10, $35,000. It doesn't really matter. We're happy for anything. Um, and so just go to patreon.com slash start me up, become a patron. And uh, keep in mind, $5 gets you into the end another thing segment, which is usually where my guest and I or my co-host and I just talk about we talk shit about shit. We talk about all kinds of things. So it's kind of fun. It's a little bit more loose. Sometimes we get a little crude. Um, It's just it's just fun. And then I also want to once again, remind everybody that I'm still working on the production value. I'm sorry it's taking a little bit longer than expected. We're currently, uh, Bob, my boyfriend and I are currently waiting on a mixer that is out. His friend has it. And so we're waiting for his friend to bring it back. So I'm fully aware that sometimes, which is not has nothing to do with what I'm doing, because right now we're just literally recording on Skype. Sometimes the sound goes up and down. And I have no idea what that is all about. So um, please just bear with us and understand that I think by June, we should be all good. Um, But it really just depends on when we get this mixer. So maybe say a little prayer that we get the mixer immediately. (laughs) And uh, I thought Steph was going to be here today, but I'm wrong. She's going to be here um, next week and and the following week. So so there's that. So anyway, let's just get to it because there's so much to talk about today. And I really can't wait to talk to Amanda. So hello and welcome, Amanda. <laughs> Hi, Kimberly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I've waited a long time for this. <laughs> yes. I'm, well, and I, so have I. I mean, as, as you know, um, this whole production value thing has kind of been a pain in my ass. But that's okay, because it's just, you know, I'm learning. And as long as we're able to have some pretty cool conversations, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, you're working out all the bugs now, so it'll be perfect starting in June. All good things are coming in June. The new yes. season of Handmaid's Tale is dropping in June. <laughs> Game of Thrones will be over by June. It's all going to be good. <laughs> Do you watch Game of Thrones? You know what? I ha- I have been watching. I started watching in like season five. And so I'm not as invested. You know, like everyone, I guess, lost their shit over yeah. this last thought I was like yeah whatever it was to me I was thought it was very entertaining I could kind of I could kind of see people's points but yeah I mean I'll be happy when it's over because then I can stop being invested in any way in the show (laughs) I was very happily uninvested in the show for the first four seasons so I've never seen it so I know Bob watches it but I I've never seen it eventually I might get to it because Bob uh Bob likes it well so do I but you know we'll watch series over and over again so I'm sure he wouldn't mind watching it again but i've i've never seen it so i don't know it's, it doesn't look like it's my kind of thing but as long as I, I i guess it's it's basically if it's really well done i guess anything could be my my genre but it uh, just, yeah. just doesn't yeah. look it just doesn't, you know what i want to go back to this when we met because we have basically um my mom was friends with this woman shannon who you know 
mm-hmm. so that's kind of how we met. But my mom was friends with her back in the 70s when we first moved to Los Angeles and um, actually lived with Shannon in Laurel Canyon for, I don't know, about six months. That was when Laurel Canyon caught on fire and mm-hmm. we were uh, we were we had to leave and uh, we had to spend the night at one of Shannon's friend's house um, because we were evacuated. It was just so awful. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, my mom was friends with her for so long. And then all those years later, she invited us over for Thanksgiving dinner and there you were. And I just remember having such a delightful time listening and chatting and and listening to all the things you had such interesting and fun stories and you're so good at telling them. (laughs) Well, thank you. And actually that was when you invited me to participate in Virgin Diaries. That's right. and I did participate in Virgin Diaries. Yes, that's right. And, so basically, uh, it was, I, I love being. Well, you had such an interesting story. And everybody should know that the book that I uh, I did with my mom, The Virgin Diaries, is a collection of true stories about how people lost their virginity. And um, every story is anonymous, so you won't know which one Amanda's is. But um, it's one of the more well-written stories, <laughs> put it put it to you that way, because you are very eloquent and you know how to express yourself and you're a good writer. So, um, yeah, that 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 was interesting. I, I also remember wanting to have a, a dinner with all the women, but it never happened because, you know, I'm just lame. Right. <laughs> well, and we all scattered to the four winds. Yeah, so, we did. You, you know, because Shannon moved to Hawaii and, you know, you, you guys went back up north. But, you know, yeah. it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about your mom and Shannon and something. And I didn't ask Shannon's permission to talk about her on the show. I'm hoping she's going to be OK with it. I think she will be. Yeah. But, you know, they were second wave feminists, serious yes. feminists. I mean, it's one of the things that drew them together. Mm-hmm. And not long ago, Shannon made a comment when I had posted something about Kamala Harris, about how she said something along the lines of, um, I don't think America is ready for a woman president. And it kind of broke my heart a little yeah. bit because, you know, that is not Shannon. Yeah. That is not Shannon. Shannon was fierce. And I thought, what would make a second wave feminist so discouraged and disheartened with everything that's happening, mm-hmm. that she would step away from this incredible field of women. Yeah. You know, and I I understood why. Because yeah. if you think about what their lives were like, I mean, they, as hard as we've had it, they were mired in it. Right. And now to, for her to look at what's happening in Alabama, what's happening in Georgia, what's mm-hmm. happening, how discouraging that must be. Yeah, and I think also witnessing the fact that, excuse me, Hillary Clinton, um, her rightful seat in the White House was stolen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, yes, she lost, but she lost because of so many different factors, whether it's uh, the decades of GOP smears, um, the, the sexism within our own party, gerrymandering, and then the Russian interference, and you put that all together, and unfort, and then there's, I'll never understand. I guess I can kind of understand. But the fact that people would vote for Trump at all, you know, the fact that he got as many votes as he did, um, right. you know, we'll, we'll always be left to wonder exactly what Russians were able to accomplish. According to most, they weren't allowed to I mean, they weren't they didn't really accomplish necessarily changing votes. But I don't know, you know, little things come out all the time that says, oh, well, actually, yeah, they they did actually penetrate. Um, what was it? And there was a story that came out by DeSantis yesterday, yeah. that uh, that they penetrated, what was it voting rolls or voting machines? I think it was the voter rolls. Okay, but 
but and but that's what we know so far. Exactly, that's all the point. Telling us. If you think that that's what they're telling us, imagine what we haven't heard yet. Exactly, it's frightening. It's, it's terrifying. And so I can, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I have allergies. So pardon my, my um, allergy throat. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think that somebody like Shannon feels concerned that there are too many misogynists and then chauvinists, because I think on the liberal side, I wouldn't refer to them as misogynists, but I do think they're, um, you know, they're chauvinists who like their white privilege. They don't necessarily sure. want to admit it, but that there's a lot of men, you know, I've said this before on the show. I'm, I'm happy to see that many, 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 many more men are getting it. They're like, Oh my God, this is awful. And we're with you and we're, we're right there beside you. But there are enough of them out there that are still. Um, and I was going to talk about this a little earlier because this guy, told me that I'm too angry for him and that he had to defriend me because I'm so angry and I hate men and blah, blah, blah. And he's a fucking liberal. So, you know, it's like, I think that Shannon and, and women like her are, are just feeling a little defeated and they would prefer, they think that because other people out there can't get it together to vote for a woman that let's just put our energy behind a man and hopefully we can get it another time. And, right. you know, and, and it, it does, it's, it is heartbreaking to basically hear that, uh, defeated, like that defeated tone. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I disagree with her. I think that, I think that women are going to be, I mean, basically you just look at the 2018 election mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. Yeah. all you have to know is, I mean, I, I've said this too before on the show that Rebecca Traster, who is um, somebody who writes about women candidates was told by really important and, 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 big time feminist organizations to prepare for the women can't win elections argument in 2018, because nobody really thought women were going to win. And, mm -hmm. you know, she said this on Chris Hayes, and she was talking about the fact that people are trying to right now, you know, 17 months out, figure out who's going to win and all this stuff when we haven't even had debates. And she's like, you know what, it's just early, just give it time. Right. Because we thought women weren't going to win. And then look what happened. Well, and Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 2.8 million votes. Yeah. So women can win something. <laughs> women can win something. And in but for that letter by Comey, yeah. it is highly possible that she would have also won the electoral vote. Yes. Um, and it's 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 not it's it, it was a conspiracy in a weird. I mean, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like it was a conspiracy and it wasn't just a conspiracy of the Russians or Republicans. Democrats played into that heavily, too. Yes. By allowing Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry. I am going to. No, don't worry. Right. I'm right there with you. And I was for him, as you know. Right. But by allowing Bernie Sanders to stay in and support as long as he did. And here's the thing. I think that what Bernie Sanders, many of the policies that Bernie Sanders proposes, I actually approve of. Yeah. I don't have a problem with Bernie Sanders as a human being. I have a big problem with. I, yeah. First of all, I think he's one of those chauvinists you Me were too. talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I think that he means well. But I think he just doesn't get it when it comes to women because he's a man of a certain age. Mm -hmm. the same thing with Joe Biden, mm -hmm. you know, a man of a certain age. Men of a certain age had a type of privilege, even if they don't recognize it, even if they're liberals, they don't recognize that they have privilege yeah. and they don't want to give that up. And, you know, the discouraging thing about 
uh, the 2016 election was that 47 percent of women, yeah. of white women, voted for Donald Trump. I know. You know, and it makes you wonder. And this was after Access Hollywood. And this yeah. Was after all the horrible things he said. And they still voted for Trump um, or they stayed home. And mm-hmm. that's the part that kind of turns my stomach. Yeah. Now. You know, yeah, 2018 kind of took a little bit of the edge off, but we can't lose that momentum. No, we can't. We don't have the luxury. So um, and if and I feel that if Clinton could win 2.8 million more actual votes, um, then it's really a small step to be. And she was a let's face it, because for whatever reason, she was a troubled candidate. Mm -hmm. I mean, she came in with baggage. I remember myself standing. I was working at Al Jazeera America. Standing in the kitchen, because the news, obviously, Al Jazeera America was always on the television. I was standing with a national political correspondent, Michael Shore, who is now working for I-24 America and is also epic politics man on Young Turks. And I turned to him and I said, I'm going to have to vote for Hillary Clinton, aren't I? And he said, what's wrong with Hillary Clinton? Because he was always a fan of her. Right. And I said, you know, she's troubled. She's troubled. I mean, this is a problem. Yeah. She she could all of this stuff is going to come up again and then we're going to have to fight it all over again. And let's face it. She wasn't a great campaigner. I mean, I I actually think if we ever met, we would be friends. I would like to think that. But she's not a great campaigner. Well, yeah. And she even said that. I mean, she basically said, you know, my husband knows how to do this. He's a people person. I am not. She she's the wonk. She's the person who, you know, her her um, favorability ratings would always go up really high whenever she was working, when she was the secretary Mm -hmm. of state, when she was a senator. Um, But then they would go down when she was campaigning. And it's just because she just doesn't know how to connect with people. And I think that was her biggest problem. I mean, sure, she had um, flaws here and flaws there. Any candidate's going to have that. And, you know, I mean, I, I just simply preferred Bernie's vision. Um, right. It certainly was not about personality. But one of the things that I didn't like about Hillary was that she always seemed to to act as if she was entitled to that position. And while she was literally the most qualified person in the world to be president, right. um, nobody's entitled to it. And, and even if you think you are, you can't behave as if you are. And sometimes she did. And sometimes she um, gave answers to, you know, I remember there was this particular um, event where uh, uh, I think it was a person from Black Lives Matter had paid whatever it was like $250 to get in. And then she got in front of Hillary and asked a question. And Hillary's response to her was kind of off putting. And she's like, well, you go run. And and it's like, you can't say that when you're when you're campaigning, you mm-hmm. have to listen to people. And you have you have to hear them. And you have to even if your answer to them is, well, if you feel so strongly about this, then you should be running for office. The way Hillary said it, though, was off-putting, and it, it sounded right. as if she was being condescending. Whether or not that was her intention, it doesn't matter. That's how it came off. And as right. a person who at the time was for Bernie, it pissed me off. And I can understand why it pissed people off. But I agree with you that I would probably be friendly with her because when you see her outside of the whole, you know, the campaign thing, when she's sitting mm-hmm. there on Rachel – God, right. she's fucking brilliant. She's got a sense of humor. She's down to earth. So yeah, you're right. She came into it with baggage and, um, you, you know, it was so much baggage. And then unfortunately, not only did the Bernie supporters just absolutely hate her guts, they, 
you know, and I, I wrote about this recently where because I was a Bernie supporter and initially, first of all, before Bernie came into the picture, I had just assumed Hillary was going to be our president. I just right. assumed before she even said anything. And I was writing my book, American Woman, and I wrote in my book, we're probably going to see, you know, Hillary Clinton as the president. And my mom read that. And she's like, I don't think you should say that because you never know what's going to happen. And I'm glad I took it out. But um, I figured that she would be president. And then, you know, when Bernie came in, it was it was like, oh, wait a minute. Well, I really like I like his platform. And I was kind of sold on his platform. And then I could see that and I've said, and I, and I, my apologies for saying this because I've said it before, but I just want to keep reiterating it because I was a Bernie supporter and I saw all this shit firsthand. I would be in these Bernie groups and I would see them initially saying, you know, somebody would say something negative about Hillary and everybody else would pounce and say, no, we are here to support Bernie, not to attack Hillary. And it was very much a kumbaya, we love Bernie, uh, situation in all of these like different Facebook groups for Bernie, which by April of 2016 turned into Hillary Clinton hate landscapes, where it was day after day after day of clearly Russian disinformation that was making its way and then real people amplifying that. And it was just constant hatred of her. And so I was affected by that. I didn't hate her. But I, I, if I, you know, when I looked at her before, and I thought, well, she seems smug, right, you know, that turned to, um, Oh my God, she's just so full of herself. And it, it made me really, really dislike her when I think normally under normal circumstances, when I wasn't, I guess, under the influence of all this hatred, I, I might have still had that opinion that she came off being smug, but I wouldn't have had such a, an emotional reaction to her because it was really, it, it really tugged on my emotions. Right. And so, um, which is, it was designed. That's exactly, exactly. The purpose. That was yeah. exactly what now we now know it was exactly designed to do that. And, and the scary part about it is <clears throat> that they knew, I mean, the government knew that this was happening. And I, I mean, I guess there's a part of me that understands why they didn't bring it right. up. Hey, guess what? Russians are interfering. It, Russians are all over social media. Why you couldn't just say that? Yeah. I mean, you didn't necessarily have to say, hey, and they're they're booking for Donald Trump yeah. or they're booking for Bernie Sanders, which they were. There was a Russian connection between Jill Sand, uh, Jill Stein, Bernie Sanders, not not through any fault of Bernie's because he wasn't participating in that. Jill Stein was. Right. But, Bill, but Bernie Sanders wasn't. But um, and then uh, and then eventually for Donald Trump. And it was all basically anti Hillary was really what it was. Yeah. Uh, an attempt to defeat her. But why they just couldn't say, hey, there's this onslaught of mm-hmm. anti-Hillary, you need to be aware of this. Because essentially, we didn't have the information that we needed when we went to the polls. Yeah. A lot of people didn't. And I think that that's, that inter- that was actually, that's how Russian interference worked, is that they they managed to keep it quiet. Mitch yeah. McConnell was instrumental in that. Yeah, I was that just going to say, yeah. Um, he stopped yeah. Obama from talking about it. Right. And, and uh, he needs to go. I mean, seriously, oh Amy McGrath needs to run. He oh, needs to go. I know, I know. Yes. And, and so that kind of Amy McGrath and the idea of what's happening right now with these red states. I mean, I'm fucking livid. I'm so angry. I've been angry. But mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I children are going to be raped. There, was, there right. was a story the other day in Ohio that a, an 11 year old girl was raped and if these these extreme abortion bans were in place with no exceptions for incest or rape um, and they got pregnant, the, basically these red state 
legislators, which are all white males, are saying that this little <laughs> child has to complete her pregnancy. And, right. and, and it's just, you know, this, this whole thing is, is a strategy. They, they, they want these, they, they purposely made no exceptions for rape and incest. So it could be that it could stay consistent with the fetus as a person, the heartbeat bills. And right. then they take it to the Supreme Court where we have two justices now appointed by Trump um, that want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And that's their goal. I remember I had a friend who, you know, she's a born again Christian. And oddly, we were friends. I mean, I'm not a religious person at all. But she <laughs> she, she never forced her religion on me. And we could right. talk about it, you know, and we would laugh because I would say, I know you think I'm going to hell. And she would laugh as if I was going to hell. And I'm like, but I don't believe in hell. So yeah. um, or if, if maybe I'm in it now, because at that time, George Bush was president. But, you know, Somebody close to her got pregnant. Somebody related to her got pregnant. And Mm -hmm. she urged this person to have an abortion. Now, I don't really know how she votes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she runs around. She never... She The only thing she ever said to me was that they're never going to overturn Roe v. Wade because I was worried about this back when Bush was president. And she was like, oh, it's never going to happen. And I'm like, don't say never. You know, right. this was before the Tea Party got in. This is before Sarah Palin even came, um, you know, came into the picture. But she urged somebody that she knew and loved to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it just, it, it makes me so angry because it's these, you know, Republican women have abortions. Right, they do. But they're what? voting against abortion. One in three women have abortions. Some of them have to be conservatives. Some of them have to be Christians. It's not like the 14 of us who are operating under the the, the agenda of manicide that are out there killing babies. I'm and, and beyond that at this point. Me too. So there, there have to be Catholic women, fundamentalist Christian women, Republican women having babies, have, I mean, having abortions and not talking about it. You know, it's interesting because I went to Catholic high school and I remember getting the little lecture. The mothers would come in with their little lectures about uh, birth control and abortions. And I'd be sitting next to their daughters and I knew they'd had abortions Mm -hmm. or I knew they were on the pill and screwing their boyfriends. (laughs) You know, it's like, Dude, you don't even know what's going on under your own roof. Yeah. And the end, it's it's it is stomach turning, stomach turning and stomach churning. Yeah, because you can have this argument until you're blue in the face and people will not listen. The fact is, we don't live in a theocracy. I don't I'm I, I appreciate your I'm a Christian. I appreciate your religious beliefs or yeah. lack of religious beliefs. But we don't live in a theocracy. We live in a country of laws, which yeah. is one of the reasons why my opinion now about impeachment has totally changed since the Mueller report came out. So what's what's what is it? What's, well, how, I, how has it changed? I was I was sort of on on team. Let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. In, in ter- that's what I used to say internally. I did not believe a that we would see as much of the Mueller report as we did. Right. Me neither. And, and B that it would be as damning as it was. Right. I was stunned that volume mm-hmm. two, I mean, I've read it twice now oh. and I've even actually listened to it and I'm sort of stunned that, um, it was as, uh, forthright. I mean, he was as forthright as he could be. 
yeah. you know, about about what he felt in terms of obstruction. He, he, he said specifically, I can't come out and accuse the man because I can't charge him mm-hmm. because he was operating under the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion that you can't indict a sitting president. Mm-hmm. And he's an old fashioned prosecutor. If you can't charge somebody, then you can't accuse them because right. then they can't clear their name at trial. But then, but what did he say? Basically, I have to leave it to congressional, you know, we'll have to leave it to the next constitutional step. What does that mean? Yeah, that means impeachment. He basically <laughs> come right out and it came as close to saying, we need to impeach Congress, do your thing, yeah. you know? And, um, and that's really, I think, what Nancy Pelosi was waiting for. She's waiting for, I trust her implicitly. I know that she is so, like, She's playing. She's moves 20 steps down the road way yeah. past where we are. But she's waiting for just that moment in the turn of public opinion. And she even said, what did she say last week? She goes, he's self-impeaching. Yes. Andrea Chalupa, Sarah Kenzior of mm-hmm. Gaslit Nation are all like really pressuring Nancy Pelosi. They are not necessarily on her side. They don't agree with the way that she's handling it. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of torn in, 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 in the middle. I do think that we need to put pressure on her because I think she wants, I think Pelosi wants the pressure. I think I she wants to hear from the public that, that, you know, so she can point to the public and say, well, I have to obey the public. I'm here to serve the public. Um, and, and it, you know, but I also when I read or listen, when I listen to Gaslit Nation or when I hear these other two women talking, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm with them because I feel like what are we fucking waiting for? But I do think that with Nancy Pelosi, you have a woman who completely understands who she's dealing with. She understands how to get, uh, you know, the Demo- the the Democratic Party in line and. She is waiting for that big bombshell. And I think I don't know that we're going to get the bombshell per se. I mean, I do think the Mueller report is a bombshell in and of itself. But if she can get Mueller, you know, if if Mueller is in front of Congress and Mm -hmm. he's able to answer certain questions that make it impossible for her not to impeach, I think that's when we're going to see it. And I think that's right. yeah, Yeah. And I think that it's also going to give Democrats something to campaign on. Um, You know, I think obviously with Alabama. They have this to campaign on. But if we have, um, you know, and, and Chris, Chris Matthews, who's not my favorite, also suggested, and I agree with him on this, that Democrats really should be selling their own party and the accomplishments of their own party, because we don't do that. We didn't do that in 2010 and 2014, especially in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. Democrats were too afraid to push the Affordable Care Act because Republicans always like to take our, you know, what whatever word it is, whether it's uh, feminist or liberal or Obamacare, and they turn it into something negative, and then the Democrats are afraid to say it. And it's like, God, stop being afraid. Reown it. Yes. You know, uh, re- just it, it's your word. Take it back. Actually, they kind of did that with Obamacare. Yeah, they did. Um, Finally, Obamacare but they didn't do it in 2014. Huh? They no, didn't do it in 2014. True. Absolutely true. And this is the thing, too, that the the motives that people are ascribing to Nancy Pelosi about why she's waiting is, oh, she's scared to lose the house. Well, of course, she's scared to lose that. Yeah. Of course, she doesn't want to lose the house. Who wants that? Right. You know, nobody wants that. Um, but it's not I don't believe that this is just a political move on her part in terms of her own political right. power. I really believe. And, and it's interesting. Lawrence Tribe said something on Lawrence O'Donnell the other night because he was he was anti impeachment until the Mueller report came out too. And he has since changed his mind Hmm. because he's also a Harvard law professor. And he said, we're a country of laws and we have to enforce them. And what he said, and and O'Donnell said, well, do you think that, um, 
do you think it'll be a, make a difference that Mueller testifies? And he goes, are you kidding? He said, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to read the book, but I promise you they'll go see the movie. <laughs> you know? And that's so, the absolute truth. And that's why we need this, because mm-hmm. I think that Mueller and McGahn and uh, McGahn, McGahn, um, I think they're going to have a huge impact on how America views this. You know, I mean, like you said, it's like they're not going to read the book. It's too much to ask to read 400 pages. But, you know, to to have it on television, it's kind of going to be like the OJ trial where everybody is just riveted and the truth is going to at least part of the truth is going to come out. Because I guess my understanding is that um, since the White House doesn't want the ah, now I can't remember exactly how this is, how this goes together, but um Something about how Mueller isn't allowed if, you know, they want to they want to put a cap on what he can say. So he's only going to be allowed to say so much. But if the Democrats are smart, um, they're going to be able to ask certain kinds of questions. You know, one of the questions. He won't be able to testify to anything that's redacted. He'll only be able to testify to anything that's unredacted. But really, that's all we need. What we need to do is get William Barr out of it. Yes. So what we need to do is take away the taint of everything that William Barr has said. By actually asking Mueller, hey, were you really exonerating him? Because I promise you, even though he sent that letter to Barr, there's going to be a big impact with watching him say, I never said he was exonerated. Right. I not only didn't say he was exonerated, that I couldn't exonerate him. And I didn't say that he shouldn't be, shouldn't face consequences. I said that I couldn't charge him. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't. Yeah, that's the him. difference. And, right. you know, and. So, but anything is Ari Melber, the lawyer, says anything is fair game that's hmm. in the unredacted part of the report. Hmm. Well, yeah, because it's public, I guess. So that would be exactly. And then I think that there's also, oh God, what was I just going to say? Um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, that's going to happen. Um, but I'll, I'll get back to it in a minute. But yeah, I think that I think we. Uh, when is he going to? When is he going to sit in front of Congress, Mueller? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he was supposed to do that today. Right. So right. I, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know why he's still working for the DOJ, because mm-hmm. I guess, you know, he had been wasn't he retired and then they hired him back to do. This yeah, he was. This. I think I have a feeling. I think knowing lawyers the way that I do, there's like a, a crap ton of evidence of actual material evidence that I believe is being cataloged, processed and, and well, handled how that's being handled i don't know i would love to be able to think that it's being cataloged processed and also you know the longer that he's there the more he has control over that even if he uh is a is a an employee of the doj uh he can still willingly testify in front of congress if he's called to testify he can testify as long as he doesn't testify to anything that's in the that's in the redacted part of the court it's public it's public knowledge so he's allowed to testify they can't they can't stop him um and and if they do do try he can always just resign i think the longer that he's in that position the more he has control over the physical materials and you know those physical materials that's what happened in watergate it wasn't just that people testified it was that all of a sudden a whole shit ton of stuff showed up there was actual documented evidence of nixon's attempts to uh, abuse of power and obstruction of justice and all the things that he did you know to stop the to try and stop the investigation yeah well that's why it didn't work and now i remember what i was going to say is rachel maddow keeps uh 
putting it out there that there's a possibility Barr stopped this investigation. I mean, all of a sudden, he's the attorney general. And within a very brief period of time, the the uh, investigation ends. So mm-hmm. and that would be interesting. And I don't know how Mueller would or could answer. I don't know if you have any insight into that, because you do work in a law firm. But, you know, I mean, what what if he were ordered by Barr to shut down the investigation? Could mm-hmm. he say that in Congress? I don't. Here's why I don't think he would. Um, well, and actually, just to, to correct, I actually work for a, a music tech company, but I work in the legal department of okay. the music tech with lawyers. Um, but um, I don't think he here's why I don't think he will say that. You know, one of the things he brings up about unindicted co-conspirators and sealed indictments is he brings up a, a case that happened. Uh, I think it happened. I want to say it happened in the early uh, uh, late, late 70s after Watergate, when there was all that talk about unindicted co-conspirators. Mm-hmm. And people actually sued for that in, in a case called USV Briggs. And it ended up being kind of a landmark case because you don't hear a lot officially. You hear it from the media, but you don't hear about unindicted co-conspirators anymore because it's not fair. And this is one of the points that, that Mueller was making to accuse someone of a crime if you're not prepared um, to to charge them, mm-hmm. because from as a prosecutor, his point is a trial is not only to convict the guilty, it is also an opportunity for the innocent to clear their name. Hmm. So when you call somebody an unindicted co-conspirator, when you release a, you know, when you make a charge against somebody that you're not going to officially charge them with so that they can have a trial, you've you've done them an injustice. So I don't think that he would say Barr stopped the investigation. Also, I have to tell you, again, Mueller is one of those people who's like four moves down the board Mm -hmm. and that we don't see. I think he was anticipating that whoever came in as AG would shut the investigation down or at least come close to it. So I'm pretty sure they had their ducks in a row by the time Barr showed up. I think they were pretty much done. And I think they were putting polishing touches on it. That report is pretty complete. And by the way, if, if you're if people are anxious about reading 400 pages of the report, let me just tell you uh, that after redactions, it's really a, it's less than 200 pages. Yeah. I think it's like 187 pages. So don't be scared. <laughs> you can download it from Audible for free with the PDF of the actual. <laughs> so they can read it to you and you can read it. You know, you can read it. I suggest that everybody read it because, yeah. You know, I know it's a wonky thing and I'm a wonk and you're a wonk and we'll read it. Well, actually, I'm not a wonk. I'm not. It's important. Context is important. It is. And the thing about the report is you don't need to be a wonk to understand it. Um, It's it's actually pretty plain language there that I think I saw on Rachel or Lawrence. They said something along the lines of, you know, you might read one the beginning of uh, a page or whatever, and it'll be a little wonky. But don't worry. The next paragraph, it's it's pretty much straight talk and easy to understand. And it is. So um, it's not something that's difficult to understand. And it's eye opening. And it's, of course, maddening, because everything is Mm -hmm. fucking maddening these days. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's something that everybody should be reading. You know, when I was at the grocery store a couple of weeks ago, I asked this woman, uh, have you heard about the Mueller report? And um, that that Russians are attacking America? That's what I said. Do you do you realize Russians are attacking America? And she looked at me like, what? And I said, Mm -hmm. they're attacking us through cyber warfare. It's not like there's, you know, attacking us with bombs or anything. And so I said, are you familiar with the Mueller report? And she said, yes. And I said, have you read it? And she said, no. And I, well, I said, you should read it. I said, just read it and understand. And it's funny because I tell Bob that I do this. He's like, why do you always talk to people at the grocery store? 
And it's like, well, I'm there every week and I make I have two friends. I have these two two women that I usually seek out if they're working. They know that I'm a feminist. They know that I talk about politics. One is younger. One is older. And so, you know, we just, you know, we, we always kind of catch up. Have you seen this story? Have you seen that story? And so it's like I can't I can't fucking help myself. It's like I carry my little soapbox around. And when I wrote The Virgin Diaries, I wanted to go up to every kid. And, and, and in fact, I did. I went to Los Angeles because I was going to give the book away. I figured, you know, I'm a self-published author and mm-hmm. I want people to read this book and I wanted to get out there. So I went to Los Angeles and, and I remember I was at the Grove and there was this group of teenagers and I walked up to them and I introduced myself and I said, no, I know this is going to seem a little strange, but just let me tell you the deal. I'm an author. My mother and I put this book together, blah, 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 blah. And they all looked at me. It was so funny because I mean, these were teenagers. They were like 15 mm-hmm. and up. And um, they all looked at me as if I was like a sinner trying to sell them porn. And and I I couldn't believe it. And I just and they're like, we're all virgins. And I said, well, that's great, because that's who this book was was written for, you know, Mm -hmm. just so people would understand what to expect. And I said, I'm offering it for free. And I said, you know, there's no gratuitous sex. I said, obviously, there's sex, but it's Mm -hmm. not about, um, you know, it's not titillating. It's just, right. it's just, here's what happened when I had sex for the first time. And so they were all afraid. Um, they were all afraid to, t- but I, I gave them the book and they took it and I don't know if they read it or thought about it, but it was just so funny I'm sure to me. they did. They were, <laughs> but, it, but it was like, I just, I can't help myself. I feel like when I go out into the world, I feel like not enough people are paying attention. And so if I'm in CVS, <laughs> right, it's like exactly. it's so hard for me not to say anything. I'm like looking at the person behind the counter thinking, are they do they know about the Mueller report? Do they know that women's rights are being taken away? Oh, my God. It's just it's so this day is so upsetting for me because every day there's you know, it seems like there's something new. There's something right. new to be outraged about. And. And I get outraged about it. And well, and we get it's fatiguing. It's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't be outraged all the time. No, because it just it wears you down. It's a stress reaction. You know, you're only supposed to be outraged every once in a while. Yeah. And every once in a while seems to be every night. You know, yeah. it, when you were talking about uh, the kids looking at you, you know, with like you were nuts. Um Monica Hess wrote in the Washington Post an article on Monday, which was really fascinating. I I, I want to say the title was something along the lines of what we don't know about uh, the uterus is going to hurt us all. Uh-huh. And she was talking about these laws, these restrictive laws. And also that idiot in Ohio was like, yeah, just take the ectopic pregnancy and put it in the uterus. Oh, is that all there is to it? Right. And I think about my friends suffering from infertility yes. who would have desperately loved that solution if it actually existed. Yeah. And so what a moron. And, you know, you said something. I was listening to you on Bob's uh, after show. Um and you you were said something along the lines of uh, don't call them stupid. Yeah, um, they're not stupid. This is this is not stupidity. This is willful misinformation. They're yeah, doing it on purpose. And I agree with you. I 100 percent agree with you. I don't think that idiot in Ohio actually thinks there's a surgical procedure. But he, if he says it enough, other idiots in Ohio right. believe there's a surgical procedure. But one of the things that that Monica has talked about in her article is even how women fail to educate men, the men in their lives about the biology of fertility and menstruation and, and childbirth. And they were talking about how she was talking about how she was at a party with a young couple that had just are or a couple in the thirties that had just had their first baby. And the guy was like, yeah, my wife was a champ and my little baby girl's a little princess. And the minute the wife 
mentioned the word placenta, he clapped his hands over his ears dramatically, like, oh my God, I care about the word placenta. And he's like, and she's like, uh, not realizing that the placenta was what allowed his champ to give birth to his little princess. <laughs> yeah. You know, and people talked about Harry and Meghan and how, why does she still look fat two days after she gave birth? Right. Oh, guess what? This is a real post-pregnancy body. Not like, you know, not like Catherine Zeta-Jones, who lost her baby weight in four weeks after the first baby that she had. Or all those people. Yeah, because they have trainers and money so that they can do it. And they hide themselves behind closed doors. Yeah. Because because the post-pregnancy body is a shame. It's something to be ashamed of. (laughs) Right. And. And the fact that we don't know that, that it's not common knowledge, that's, that's, I put that on women. I put mm-hmm. the fact, oh, and one of the other things she talked about was how she got a, a years ago, she got a little uh, an email from a man saying, why are women wasting all this money on sanitary product? Why can't they just hold it the way men do? Oh As my God. Generation was like urination. Oh my you know, God. The, the, the typical level of ignorance just yeah. among our community it, that we do in our society, that that Americans, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe it is European too, but it's mostly in America. Mostly, we're so, yes. We're so uh, shamed by our own bodies. Yeah, we come from such this bullshit pure, puritanical mindset. And, right. and it, it, you know, I, I wanted to just throw this in there. Roxanne Gay had tweeted, y'all need to stop saying Alabama or Georgia lawmakers are hicks or hillbillies, etc. What they are systematically dismantling women's rights or what they are is systematically, whatever, dismantling women's rights one state at a time to eventually overturn Roe v. Wade. And before long, it will be your state legislators. And that's exactly what it is. It's this is this actually all started. I mean, it started a long time ago. We had the moral majority back in the 80s. But the difference is in 2010, the Republicans got in the midterm elections, the Tea Party Republicans Mm -hmm. got in and they immediately, I mean, that's when I kind of started paying attention because 2011, we saw all these um, rollbacks on women's rights in the red states. So whether it was Mississippi or Texas or all these different red states that had X amount of abortion clinics, um, the Tea Party went to town looking for ways to shut them down. So they weren't necessarily they weren't making abortion illegal. They were making it impossible to to right. find any kind of provider. And then if you you know, and they'll have I think I don't remember the numbers, but let's say in Mississippi there were uh, you know, eighty abortion clinics, eventually it went down to one. So right. people the same thing in Texas. So if you're in Texas Maybe the closest abortion clinic is hundreds of miles away, which Mm -hmm. means if you want to have an abortion, you have to pay for the abortion, which is not cheap. You have to pay for whatever it's going to cost for you to travel, take time off of work. It becomes so expensive. People can't even afford to do it. So they eliminated the um, availability and the access to abortion clinics. And now what they're doing is they're doubling down. And, you know, I mean, they, they certainly... One seats back again in 2014, which was just dismal um, because no, I don't, you know, the, the, what I think is so sad is that liberals just depended on the fact that we had Barack Obama in the White House and thought that's, that's all we need. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't need anything else. And then right. we see that the Republicans got fucking busy and showed up and the young people who couldn't be bothered you know, lost out to the old people who are home and have nothing better to do but watch Fox News and get lied to all day and run to the voting booth. 
Right. So, um, you know, oh my God. But I'm just, it, it's just something that's, it's so upsetting to me because I feel like we've been talking about this. And when I say we, I mean activists and, right. and people on the ground, people on social media. We've been talking about the fact that women's reproductive rights are at risk. And that, I mean, I've been talking about fucking Roe being overturned since the Bush years. And right. so now, you know, so many, um, whether it's presidential candidates or candidates for Congress or people on the news are not really, they'll talk about the abortion rights issues, but they're not putting so much of an emphasis on, hey, look, it looks like the goal here is to overturn Roe. So now all of a sudden, when shit is hitting the fan, okay, that's when they're paying attention. Well, and, and also, you know, the other thing that's come under attack, and that this is the new development, I think, is not just abortion. But, and I think you and Steph have talked about this too, and it was true of me as well. There was a time when Planned Parenthood was my health care. Yes, so, me too. I didn't have an insurance. Yes. So if I wanted a pap smear, if I wanted, if I had a yeast infection, I went to Planned Parenthood. So Planned Parenthood didn't just provide uh, birth control and abortion services. They also are the health care yeah. for millions of low-income women around the country. And that's what's being shut down. And also, I'm stunned by this new attack that's come on in the last four, five, six years towards birth control. That's the scary part. Yeah. Yeah. Just access to just normal contraception. It's frightening to me. And I, and I see, this is where I see the conspiracy is white men see the writing on the wall and the writing on the wall is white birth rate are lowest yes. than they've in forever. And they see that in 2030 to 2050, white people will no longer be the statistical majority mm -hmm. and they don't want that. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. So, Forced impregnation, forcing a woman to care, forcing a little girl to yeah. carry a pregnancy to term, even if she doesn't end up raising that child, that puts another baby and another baby. And if we can just get white women, you know, the the trailer to the third season of Handmaid's Tale starts uh, with her saying it happened because we were asleep. Yeah. And that's and now we're waking <laughs> up. But that's what we want to do now before the Handmaid's Tale era. Wake up. Yeah, well, that's the point. And it's like, you know, I mean, these, there was a there was a couple of, as I said earlier, these these white men who basically told me they're older white men who were scolding me for being so angry. And, you know, because I, I rail against the patriarchy, and it's the patriarchy that I rail against. And some of these liberal white men are, uh, you know, don't even realize that they're happy to take advantage of it. They're, sure. You know, and the thing is, is this one of these men that I knew personally, um, was constantly going out with younger women and and chose for some reason I didn't know him very well I met him once we had a nice you know I I, I was doing a rally in DC uh, at the time I was living in Los Angeles so I went over to his house for lunch and his girlfriend was there and we all had a really nice time and that was pretty much it and outside of that I didn't know him so Sometime later, I guess he and this girlfriend broke up and he started to write me emails complaining about her, which was odd because then she started writing me emails about him. But he was writing about her mental health and how, you know, she was kind of crazy and this and that. And I never kind of, I don't know, there was just something that I felt that he was full of shit. I felt that he was the one who had the issues and not her. And now I kind of feel like, yeah, I do think he's the one because I've noticed since this particular, this guy was probably in, in his mid, mid sixties at the time. And ever since then, he's been going out with a number of women and they're all like in their twenties, early twenties. 
So I mean, I just, I just feel like you know, his shaking his fucking old finger at me, telling me that you know he, I'm sorry, I had to defriend you, Kimberly. Well, fuck you. You know yeah. what? We're we're screaming about this. I was I was so angry because in mm-hmm. 2014 I was with We Are Woman and we put together that rally in D.C. And almost no one came. It was so it was so difficult to raise money for that. At the time, there was some GoFundMe page that was raising money for a fucking potato salad uh, recipe that got right. like fifty thousand dollars or whatever. Right. And and we were just like begging people, please. I mean, granted, it was a rally, but it was a way to spread awareness. And we had some really good speakers. And then to make everything even fucking worse. Uh, it rained throughout the the entire <laughs> rally, and then as soon as the rally was over, the sun came out. Oh my god! So it was almost like everything was just was stacked cr- against it was us. Cursed. Yes, it was cursed, <laughs> and I feel like we have been screaming about this, and then we're we're you know we're like, hey, they're going to overturn Roe. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna make it so women in red states can't have abortions even though it's legal. Hey, we need to pay attention to this. Oh, calm down. Right. Abortion's always going to be legal. Stop your bitching. And then we have Bernie fucking Sanders saying that women's issues are a distraction. Just like Russia, according to him, Russia is a distraction and women's and issues women's are a distraction. Are, which is why I've never liked Bernie Sanders because he's always felt that way. He never came out and said it until recently, but that's how he's always felt. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was looking at his record. His record with Planned Parenthood was solid. He had a right. he he was solid for voting along the lines of women's rights. But when it comes down to talking about, you know, when when he was when his uh, a campaign was accused of sexual harassment, his response was, "I was bi- too busy." running around the country making the case. So he couldn't fucking be bothered right. with sexual harassment on his campaign, be is what bothered. he told us. Well, and this is, you know, here's the thing, and this is true. This is like, you know, a lot of people, like during the Me Too movement, it wasn't just the people who did the harassing that got busted. It was the people who facilitated it or yes. turned a blind eye that also got busted. Because Charlie Rose's executive producer, a woman yeah. who turned a blind eye to all of the sexual harassment that he was bestowing upon his 20 year old interns she was fired too because she they came to her and she turned up i'm I'm too busy you know it's just charlie being Charlie. so you know this is and this is important because you know one of the things that tracer talks about in good and mad and you and i've discussed it before is she talks about um the fact that women will always be um be or well, won't hopefully not always, but have mm. always been uh, chastised for getting angry. Anger is like the one emotion we're not allowed to have. Mm-hmm. But the and the book is called Good and Mad for a reason. You know, the fact is our anger is what's propelled 2000, you know, after 2016 into the women's marches. And, you know, one of the things about the Me Too movement that I think was so cleansing and so um, empowering is that when you're sexually harassed, it generally doesn't happen when you're in a crowd. Mm -hmm. It happens when you're alone with the man and there's something very isolating about it. And when when you saw all of those hashtags or when you posted something and people were like, me too, hashtag me too, hashtag me too, hashtag believe survivors, you know, it's like 
there was something so empowering about knowing that it wasn't just you. Yeah. You weren't, I mean, all of these things, Diane Sawyer, you know, all of the, and now of course it's, it, you know, we've almost become inured to that, but to realize that Di when Diane Sawyer and Connie Chung and all of these very respected women came out and said, no, no, it happened to me too. Mm -hmm. No, no, we all had that experience and it wasn't just you was so enriching and it was so emboldening and and it was also edifying because you realized oh that's where we now start talking about rape culture yeah and that's an important conversation to have tarana uh tarana burke was on uh, Alyssa milano's podcast mm -hmm. talking about it and she said and Alyssa asked her what do you think has changed and she said well the fact that we're even saying the words rape culture yeah you know, and that's true. And it's like you were the one who posted the article about white judges giving slaps on the wrist to yeah. some men who are having sex with babies. Yeah. And I mean, babies. Yeah, like literal, like one, two year old, five year old. Yes. I mean, and he, well, we don't want to ruin his whole life because of this. And the same thing with Brock Turner. We don't want to ruin his whole life because mm -hmm. he raped a girl behind a, a dumpster. You know, yeah, we kind of do want to do that, though. So you <laughs> need to be recalled, mister. And all of those white judges, all of those white male judges. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of pushback from my white friends, my, you know, family. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, me too's gone too far. Oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. Me too hasn't gone anywhere near far enough. No, 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 no. And it, yeah, exactly. And it's because I think it's because we're sort of trained. One of the things Tracer has a whole chapter in her book on what's what's the matter with white women and, you know, having to do with all the 911 calls on black people for yeah. the crime doing living life while being black. Um, you know, it's because women and I never realized this. This is an eye opener when you were talking about men not realizing liberal men not realizing their own entitlement. Um, she said something about the fact that white women are secondary beneficiaries of white male privilege. Yes. And I never. That's true. Saw that. Of course I am. Of course I am. Mm -hmm. And I never even realized it. So that kind of which is why 47 percent of white women would be willing to vote for Donald Trump mm -hmm. because you pull that white male privilege and suddenly their lives change mm -hmm. and their lives aren't as cushy because their husbands don't have the same kind of privilege. Their husband, the competition is stronger and all of that stuff kind of go, that underlying privilege goes away just yeah. by and people. That do, they not only they, I mean, they don't want to get rid of their privilege. People like their privilege, just like wealthy people like being wealthy. They don't want to lose their money. So, mm -hmm. you know, power is money and, 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 back and forth. I mean, it's, it's clear that, you know, whether it's realized or not, it's realized on some level. And, sure. and so it's, it's, it's just so incredibly maddening and frustrating because when you try to educate, even if you have a hint of sounding, I mean, and in black people will tell you this and they have told me this because, you know, I've said that I'm angry and then I'm scolded for being angry and they're like, yeah, me too. I'm not allowed to be an angry black person. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, as right. long as like, exactly. you can't exactly. be, um, and you know, you it's have no right to be angry. I don't even know if it's that. But yeah, you don't because you're well. And also as a woman, your job is to make everybody feel comfortable yeah. at, at home. And it's hospitality is your gig, young lady. <laughs> so get on it, you know? <laughs> and I think that that's one of the primary things, you know, you, you're not being nice. You yeah. have to be nice, but you know, nobody tells Bernie Sanders he has to be nice. No, no. 
tells any of the white, even the white Democrats, they have to be nice. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, a little touch of anger, you know, that's kind of cool and it's kind of jazzy and it's kind of wonderful. But have a woman get angry and God forbid, you know. But uh, the the problem I think that uh, we face is well, I think the good part is that it doesn't it hasn't stopped us from being angry and expressing our anger. Right. But one of the things when you were all, you know, you've said this before in, in many of your blog posts that a lot of men will come forward and kind of go, you know, um, well, it's you know, I'm 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 uncomfortable. I'm, I'm feeling I'm afraid. I'm afraid mm-hmm. of what to do now. And I'm like, are you? And like, <laughs> so that fear, like, you know, it, does it involve? worrying about walking 20 feet to your front door in the dark because the light bulb blew out and you're worried about being raped and killed because that's the fear that women live with every day yeah and you're talking about the fear of like oh i don't know if i can be nice to a woman anymore (laughs) i don't know if i can say hello to a woman because she's going to accuse me of rape and that's basically what they're saying that's sweet that's so cute that you're all scared (laughs) you know and the other the other the other fear the other thing i had a big battle on facebook with a, a, a guy, we were in, uh, I don't even remember what the original post was, but it basically came down to white male privilege and all that. And he was like, I feel like I'm being attacked because I'm white and I'm a man. And I'm like, well, you're personally not being attacked because you're white and a man. But yeah, you know, patriarchy, white male privilege, that's mm-hmm. all being attacked. And he goes, I, I feel I feel like just because of my gender and because of the color of my skin, I'm being persecuted. I'm like, do you? Does- <laughs> Sit in that feeling for a little while. That feeling that you feel right now, I totally understand why it upsets you. Now imagine feeling that way every day of your life from your moment of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Because that's what people of color feel and that's what women feel every single day. Attacked for our gender, attacked for the color of our skin, attacked for our religious beliefs. But you, white male, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male, you don't have to worry about that. Because you've never had to worry about that. And I think one of the reasons men get even, quote, good men, uh, liberal men, feel scared about that is because it's a loss. You know, Mm -hmm. when you've had that privilege and slowly that privilege is taken away, even though the privilege was never really yours, it was bestowed upon you unjustly, it feels like you're losing something and you're going to fight yeah. If you're losing something. Well, yeah, and you that- feel defensive and you feel like, what? why are you picking on me? I mean, it's that whole um, male fr- fragility with the not all men bullshit. It's like right. the, I, I love I, the feminist next door did a, a a post once something about, you know, a, a woman walks into a hospital and says and she's like been stung by bees and she goes, bees stung me. And the doctor's like, well, certainly not all bees have stung you. <laughs> and she's like, no, but bees stung me. And he's like, well, not every single bee. And then woman dies because, you know, she's allergic to bee stings. And, and, and I mean, it's like, again, more and more men are figuring it out. And I'm grateful because I, I you know, I, I certainly, I understand that my anger can be viewed as Kimberly hates men if if you're not really up on things. So I try to, you know, <laughs> help people understand why I'm angry. And, you know, people will say something to me like, well, you're more patient than I am. Well, I kind of have to be patient because I don't want the argument to be or the debate or the conversation to be, you know, I'm, I'm railing against whatever 
uh, is pissing me off that particular day. And then some man sees me and he, he takes away, oh, Kimberly's angry at men and that's the end of the story. No, I need to explain to these men, look, I'm not angry at all men. I'm angry at the fact this is happening. And yes, of course, 40% of white women voted for Trump and they're part of the problem. 40% of white women are usually voting Republican anyway and they are part of the problem. But the idea is men men have the power and it's always down to patriarchy because mm-hmm. it's the imbalance of social and legal power. Right. If, if a man has, you know, I mean, I've been in so many instances. I remember, and this was a social situation, but I worked at a bar once and I was really good friends with everybody I worked with. There was a bartender and waiter. They were both men. We were all very young and we were all standing there by the register. And I don't remember the conversation we had, but they said something and I, being me, said something very sarcastic and they didn't like it. And oh my God, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't remember, I don't remember what I said or what they said, but what I do remember is they scolded me, they put me in my place and they told me in no uncertain terms that I was not to ever speak that way again. And as a 20, I was maybe 19, I was like 19 Mm -hmm. at the time. And I remember feeling very, um, I felt silenced and I felt kind of internal rage. But I also realized that I had to stop talking because they had the power. And it was just the power of the patriarchy. Neither one of them could have fired me. But they banded together. Oh, no, you didn't, woman. You didn't just say that. And you're not going to say that in front of us again. And it was like silence. I had to fucking shut my mouth. And I had to suck it up. Because I realized that my place in that in that, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the pecking order. I was below them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it was and so I've always been a feminist and I've always been able to express myself. But obviously, now that I'm online and I have a podcast, I can like scream and, and, and everything. But I but I don't want men who don't get it. And there still are a lot of them who don't they're good guys, but they don't right. get it. You know, I finally gotten my father on board. And it's so funny. Because my father is a feminist, and I've written about that in in my book, American Woman. Um, right. But he's also he's 70. It's going to be 73 years old. And Mm -hmm. so he comes from a different time. And, you know, there were a couple of times when he heard the white man argument and he got defensive. So I'm like, let me explain this to you. And I explained (laughs) it to him. So and he gets it. And what's so cute is that now no matter what I bring up when it comes to misogyny or patriarchy, he goes, oh, did he mansplain? (laughs) <laughs> for, for him at all. It all he loves to say mansplain and he makes everything he turns everything into mansplaining and it just makes me laugh i'm like no dad this one wasn't a mansplaining incident this Although is something else plenty in our lives but you know this is the thing too is speaking of mansplaining and not all men and i have a a bone to pick with the not all men movement on a number of levels that remember when that super bowl budweiser commercial came out not oh, men yeah lost their <laughs> shit. And the only point in that entire commercial was, please don't be an asshole. Yeah. Please, not only do, please don't be an asshole, but please stop your friends from being assholes. Because there's a moment right. in that commercial where the guy steps forward to catcall the girl and the guy stops him. Yeah. You know, that never happens in real life. We know that already. There was that story uh, a couple of weeks ago where the two girls from, I, I want to say Brooklyn or the Bronx, they're walking. They're actually, they were actually a lesbian couple, but you wouldn't have known that 
if you didn't know them. Right. They were walking back from a pizza place to their apartment, minding their own business, having a conversation, and a group of men stepped in their way, stopped their forward progress, and began verbally harassing them. Mm-hmm. And a group, and then the part of the group of men didn't. They were sitting by and watching it. And at some point, one of the men reached out and grabbed one of the girl's boobs, and she reacted badly, and he punched her wow. in the mouth. And she got 19 stitches. <gasps> and then and it turned into a street brawl because her partner jumped in, all up in it. And, of course, it was two women against, like, four men, and they lost. When a couple of the men stepped forward to try and break up, break up the brawl, and, and the way that the news story couched it, it was like as if those two men who tried to break up the ball were good Samaritans. And my my point was I posted about it and I said, no, catcalling didn't the, the, the title. The headline said catcalling leads to violence. And I said, no, catcalling is the violence. Yeah, that's the violence. And the minute that those men stepped forward and their good old buddies sat back and didn't do anything, those good men, they failed at the not all men because now you're part of those. You're exactly. And the, the, and there was a sign at one of the women's rallies that said, um, you know, no man knows a rapist. And yet every woman knows at least one woman who's been raped. Right. You do that. Exactly. So, So where are those good men? When the cat calling starts, where are those good men in the locker room when all of that bad talk starts? Mm-hmm. You know, they're nowhere to be seen because they don't want to step up and speak out against their buddies. Oh, stop being a pussy. Exactly. <laughs> They'll be called you know? gay or a pussy or something like that. And and so they just don't want to deal with it. So they say nothing. And and I do understand. I completely understand because I've been in that position myself when um, and, I, and, I, and I won't go into it, but it was when I was talking about rape to two fathers. I've told this story a million times but you know when I mentioned rape they were uncomfortable and they made a joke about it and I remember feeling like I was really upset that they made a joke about it but I later realized it's because they didn't know how to deal with it they they just were so awkward and right. they're, they're not used to um any kind of a world where they can just stand up and say that's wrong instead they had to make a joke and and it was awkward and weird and they have daughters and and, and it really perplexed me for the longest time until it just dawned on me it's like wow they were just really awkward they felt really right. awkward about it and they didn't know how to handle it and it's like i didn't say anything to them instead of instead of me saying you guys need to uh educate yourself and blah 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 whatever right. i could have said i chose not to because i was too afraid i was going to i it, it's like women have to make everybody comfortable so i right. wanted i wanted them they were my friends and i wanted them to be comfortable and i didn't want to cause problems and it's like i'm getting i'm at the point now Mm-hmm. Where I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if I piss you off. I don't give a shit if I cause problems. I had, you know, I was over at Passover at my dad's house. My stepmom is Jewish. And so we had Passover dinner and all the young people were left in the living room. And we had we had a Bernie supporter. We had a centrist and me. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I, I can, you know, I know the Bernie supporter was just so not interested in what I had to say. Because I was talking about how I believe Elizabeth Warren um, – is kind of like the 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 better version of of Bernie Sanders because she has drafted policy. She works for the people. She you know she's been in consumer protections and he he said something like, "Well, he's been at it longer." And I said, "Maybe he's been at Cong- he's been in Congress longer, but she's been working for the people since she was a young woman. She's been a teacher, 
Mm-hmm. You know, she did. She worked in consumer protections. She gets shit done. And so I, he did not like anything I had to say. And I respected the idea that he's for Bernie. And he asked me, you know, what what made you change your mind? And I was very respectful of his choice because he is in my family. We all have to get along. And mm-hmm. I, and I could see that as I was explaining, you know, my reasons for not liking Bernie, he he didn't like what I had to say. And then the mm-hmm. other the other one was like um, said something like, "Well, we need to get a centrist in there." And I just started, ah! and um, I'm sure he completely regretted ever bringing. <laughs> He's like, don't bring Kimberly into the political conversation because, I mean, I wasn't mean. I, no, I, I always try to be respectful, especially in person, but I'm not going to take shit. You know, I'm yeah. not going to listen to only a white man can win. I'm just not. If it's a white man, it's a fucking white man and it's going to piss me off and I'll vote for him. But I, I'm just I, I'm just don't I don't believe that that's all it is. That's the only savior we've got in this country is an older white man is going to get in the mud with Trump. I, I don't right. think that's the case. I think it's actually opposite. But I you know, agree that that is so pointed. I think that we need we don't need like we I think that if Joe Biden and, and God love you, God love him. You know, yeah, I, I'm, I, if he's the candidate, <laughs> I will vote for him. Yeah. Um, but but I don't believe that going up against everyone seems to have this idea that he's going to go up against Trump and decimate him. I know. I, I don't think so. Do we, is this the same Joe Biden that we've all known and loved? Who puts his foot in his mouth like every five seconds? You know, I mean, I love Joe Biden, but yeah. I don't know that he's really the best candidate. And uh, well, I mean, all of this is premature. We won't know until these debates. Yeah, we got to have the debates. We've got to sure. see how they all talk with each other. And the debates are going to be awesome because well, they're going to be awesome and awful. What's going to make them awful are the people talking about the debates, but whether it's the pundits or people on Twitter. But um, but what's going to be awesome is the fact that these there are a lot of great candidates. I mean, I have my particular favorite, which we're going to talk about in um, the next segment and another thing coming up in a minute. But um, no matter what, there are great candidates, even people that I don't want to be president right now, who I think are, mm-hmm. you know, they need to wait a little while in their future presidential candidates. Um, They're great because they're, they're going to make each other try to be better. They're going to force the other candidates to be better and to make, make the voters happy. So I think we've got so much to look forward to in these debates, even though it's going to kind of be excruciating. Um, (laughs) But we, but let's let them happen. Let's let sure. them happen and see who kind of rises to the top and, 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 and gets those numbers and, and gets the attention because we don't right. know right now. And I'm no. going to go back to what Rebecca Tracer said. Everybody thought feminist groups, big feminist groups didn't think women were going to win 2018 and they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and they, were, they, were wrong. they were just cautious and scared. They were allowing their fear and their – basically their knowledge of patriarchy in this country to dictate how they thought the outcome was, you know, what they thought was going to happen. So they turned out to be wrong. It's, it's something, something we have to keep in mind and we have to just be chill and let the candidates do their thing. We can have our favorites, but let's also realize that the other, you know, even the candidates we don't like have something positive to bring to this. Sure. Well, you know, Inslee, I don't think Jay Inslee imagines that he'll be president. Right. But I think that when he runs on his policy of of climate change, a big part of it is 
once that uh, platform at the convention is is solidified, his policy is going to be a part of that voice. Exactly. If he can get enough people to support his policy, his ideas, mm -hmm. then it becomes part of the conversation. And I think that's his point. I think Elizabeth Warren, you know, whether or not she becomes, she is our nominee. I mean, I love the fact that every single time she's like, well, this is the problem. We have this problem here. And people go, oh, and she goes, don't worry. I have, I have a, a solution, solution for that. <laughs> I, know, I love her. <laughs> you know, but I think the fact that she has so many policy ideas, all of that's going to be part of our platform. Yeah. And I think that so speaking now is important, but also it's very expensive to run for president. Yeah. A lot of these people aren't even going to make it to Iowa. We just need to fully understand that we have how long before Iowa in 2020 a long effing time yeah. you know so we just need to kind of take a deep breath and pace ourselves all right um, <laughs> i think part of, i think part of our desire to guess um, comes from the desire to defeat Trump. And if we're talking about it, and we're thinking about it, and we're saying defeat Trump, it's almost like it's happening. So we we just were impatient for it to happen. And we need to talk about it. And we need to be like, but the, you know, I mean, and that's what we're all going to do. But I think we also have to recognize that yes, we do need to be patient, we need to let the candidates do their thing, we need to watch who emerges, what they say, how they handle uh, criticisms from, from Trump, and all of it. Right. And, and then well, we'll see. Yeah. You know, the part that scares me, and this is the part that I realized with this whole Justice Department, this new Justice Department investigation into the origins of the of the Russia investigation, which is so stupid. It's like, um, duh, it, it, we have a Mueller report that basically says what the origins of the Russia investigation were. And their argument now that Congress has no right to congressional yeah. oversight, when that's exactly what the article yes. one of the says is so preposterous but but it's clear that what he's doing is weaponizing his position as president in order to combat his political opponents and that is the first step yeah. towards towards autocracy yeah. and we need to be really uh forthright and uh clear about that that he is weaponizing his position as president of the united states in order to combat his opponents that is not okay Everybody hasn't done it, despite oh, all politicians do that. Uh, no, they don't. Just no, they him. don't. Just him. And they don't have a William Barr. And by the way, does William Barr not know that Roy Cohn died disbarred and shamed? <laughs> I mean, absolutely, with no reputation. Well, why did these... What is this power this man has? I know. That he can sucker these people into this. I still don't understand it. It's a mystery I to me. I don't either. But you know what? On that note, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up and remind everybody that... Uh, Amanda and I are going to continue the conversation on end another thing. So don't forget to follow. Now, what is your handle on Twitter, Amanda? It's at Amanda. So S O. Okay. Well, follow Amanda. And then do you, is there anything, do you have any blog post or, or blog sites or anything? No, do do I, that anymore? I don't do that anymore. Okay. Well then just follow her, follow her on Facebook and also follow Steph who will be here next week at lady brain show and me at author Kimberly. And don't forget to leave comments on Patreon because we absolutely love feedback and we want to hear from you. And Amanda is a patron and she always leaves feedback and we love it. <laughs> now Big you can mouth. leave feedback on Amanda. <laughs> All right. Um, we, will, we will see you over. Um, hey, thank, you for, thank you for joining me today, Amanda. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll be coming back.
<laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, everyone.